Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. I really just want to talk about two words from Scripture today. Literally two words only. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Um, I'm gonna, I, 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 like to, I like to confess from the stage on a regular basis. Keeps me humble. Um, a, a, a few weeks ago, I was, I was getting in, a, in an elevator. Got in the elevator. And you know this has happened to you before. There was a group of like six or seven people that start walking toward the elevator, right? And I know that I'm supposed to hold the door for them. And I did not. There was plenty of room. But in my heart, there was no room. There was, I, I'm, just, I, I'm just saying, and I know this is terrible. I literally watched them running. I did nothing. The doors closed. I am an awful human being. And then you let me preach here? That's ridiculous. <laughs> it reminded me, do you, how many of you guys rode the, the school bus on your way to, sco- uh, like to school when you were a kid? Okay. Do you remember the moment on the school bus when you would, like, if you were, like, the, the last person on the bus and you had to find a seat? You know what I'm talking about? And, like, everybody's got their seat and everybody's holding it for their friend and they're, like, and somebody's sitting on the seat and they're, like, don't even think about it. You know what I mean? And you're like, please just give me, I'll just take like the edge. Just give me like the, the little edge of the seat. There's no room. Um, <laughs> I, uh, it, it goes, gets a little worse for me. I, um, do you ever feel like your life is just full? Like there's just, I, I can't cram one more thing into my life. You know, like I, there's just, especially, I, those of you guys who have kids, who are like pre-driving age, but involved in everything. You know what I'm talking about. It is, it's like an extra full-time job. And, um, and you just think, especially at that point, you're like, you're like, I just don't have space. And then you meet somebody new, and they want to be your friend. Do you ever think to yourself, I've got no room for new friends. Like there is no space in my life for new friends, it's just, I'm just full up, okay? I'm sure you're a nice person. I'm sure I would like you, but I don't have time or space for you. Um, I think you can guess what two words from Scripture in this Christmas season. Um, but, but let's actually read it. Uh, this is Luke chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. It says, so while Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem, the day came for Mary to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, Jesus. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. No room in the inn. But it wasn't just for Jesus that there was no room in the inn. I mean, that was like a, that was like a precursor to the rest of his life. Because it wasn't just there was no room. The truth is, there was no room in the world for Jesus at the time. There was no room in the Jewish faith for Jesus at the time. I mean, that was clear by the time um, he was sacrificed. There was no room for Jesus. And and there's a reason for that. The, The truth is, 
everybody who was a, a Jewish person at the time of Jesus was waiting for him. Did you know that? They didn't know it. But they were waiting for him. They had had 400 years without a prophet. The Jewish people had. 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. 400 years. That's a long time. And they, they, had, they had kind of created a whole religion out of waiting for the Messiah. And it was, it was connected to Judaism, and it was in Judaism, and it was at the time of, uh, of Jesus that you would, you would go to church, church, synagogue, right? You would go to, to worship, and, and there would be a, a, a rabbi who would get up and talk about the coming of the Messiah. They were, they were living under Roman occupation. They were living under, and it wasn't just like, I mean, we think we understand occupation, um, but it was brutal occupation. You do anything wrong, you get crucified. Uh, it, it's a, it was a scary place to live. Um, there were Roman soldiers everywhere. And it, you, you just, it wasn't a free society at all. And so they just felt oppressed at all times. And they had no agency. They had no ability to do anything to, to fix it. And so they had, they had this idea that Jesus, or that the Messiah would come. And the Messiah would take them out from under the Roman rule. And the Messiah would help them um, become what they used to be, a, a world power. And so they had this entire uh, theology, this entire understanding of what it was going to look like. Like, life sucked, life was terrible, but when the Messiah comes, it's going to be great. We're gonna be, it's going to go back to the time of like King David, where everybody was scared of us. Where we were in charge. And so that was, that was it. There was this, this, this longing, this waiting. Life is terrible now, but it's going to get better when the Messiah comes. And in that context, Jesus, who is the Messiah, comes in and all of them miss it. Right? I mean, their entire world was, was about waiting for this Messiah to come. There should have been a ton of room in the, in the Jewish faith for Jesus, but they all missed it. And I wondered today, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for God to do? And you've got an idea what it's supposed to look like, but maybe you're missing it. Maybe you're waiting for God to move in your life, and he already is, and you're missing it. Because <clears throat> here they, I mean, this is it. They had the very thing that they were waiting for, the very thing that they were desperate for. But they hadn't made any room in their thinking for what it would look like. Um, I grew up in church. I'm a missionary kid, pastor kid, um, and I, I grew up hearing about the second coming of Jesus. Any of the rest of you guys grow up with that, right? I, growing, like, you're, Jesus is coming back, and, um, and the truth is, do I believe that? Yes, I do. I do believe that he's coming back. He promises that he's going to come back. Now, I will also suggest that, uh, have you guys ever heard of Rex? Uh, Jack and Rexella Van Impey. 
You guys know who I'm talking about? Okay, Alan does. Okay, I, I, I gotta, here's another thing I have to admit. I, uh, I, Mandy and I would watch them just to mock them. Is that a terrible thing? That, I know that's a terrible thing to say. And the only reason I say this is because Jack Van Impey has been saying the same thing for 40 years that Jesus is coming in the next couple of years. Like he is sure. He, he has read the signs. He knows that it's happening. He is coming like right now. And he'll go through all the, the headlines. And here's proof of the fact. And here's the reality. Jack is not new. This has been happening every generation since Jesus was positive. It's going to be this generation that he's coming back. Right? Every generation. Because that, that's what I was taught all growing up. Oh, man. This is it. This is the end times. It is, it, Jesus is coming back now. And listen, I understand that, but the truth is, my guess, these aren't the end times. I'm just talking about law of averages. You know what I'm saying? And so, every generation has lived like this. And I, I just, it's hard for me not to make a parallel between that culture of Jesus is coming back right now and the culture that Jesus came into that knew that the Messiah was coming right now. And here's the problem. I wonder, I wonder if Jesus came back right now if we would even recognize it. And here's the reason. Back, back then, they had a very clear understanding of what they knew the Messiah was going to look like. And they got that understanding from their interpretation of Old Testament Scripture. They looked at Scripture, and they saw what they wanted to see, and they saw that, Jesus was, or that the Messiah was going to come and save them from oppression, that that, from political oppression. That's what they believed. And so they were just waiting for that. They were waiting for their expectation to be fulfilled, Right? And when, and when the Messiah actually came, they missed it. We have got a bunch of things that, we're, that we have been told our whole lives. There's going to be trumpets when Jesus comes back, right? If you didn't grow up in this, I'm happy for you. Because you don't have to unlearn a bunch of stuff. But there's going to be trumpets. The, the sky will be torn asunder, Right? That's, that's what we've, like, there's going to be some rip in the space-time continuum. I don't know what that's supposed to look like. But, like, it's going to be this huge, magnificent display of Jesus coming in the clouds, right? That's what I was taught growing up because that's what we're going to be looking for. Don't you see the parallel? Who knows what it's actually going to look like? Do we really know? What if, what if Jesus came back? again the way he came the first time you want to talk about unexpected born in a state what if jesus came back and he was born in a barn and he wasn't even american he wasn't even jewish what if he was born and he's Chinese? Does Jesus love us more than Chinese people? What, 
What if he was born Chinese? What if he was born Russian, in a, a, a poor Russian boy out in Siberia somewhere? What, what if he ended up homeless? What if he didn't shower and stank really bad? What, what if he wasn't? What if, what if our understanding of Jesus coming back is just really screwed up with, with somebody's idea of, of what they think Scripture says? Because the truth is, we don't know what it's going to look like when he comes back. But my question is, if, if Jesus came back and it looked that different, is there room in the church for that Jesus? That's a tough question. What if, what if that Jesus started saying things that made us really uncomfortable? You know what I mean? What if that Jesus started saying things that, like, if you lived back at this time and you heard Jesus preach, you're like, this dude is, this dude's crazy, right? This guy isn't saying all th the things the way everybody else has said them. This, this guy isn't helping me understand God the way I've always understood God. If Jesus came back in a, in a way that we didn't expect saying things we don't agree with. Is there room in the church? Is there room in your thinking for a different Jesus? Jesus comes to earth and the, the Bible says there was no room for him in the end. But the truth is there was no, no room for him anywhere. And I just wonder... Is there really room for Jesus in our lives? Is there room for Jesus in our church? Is there room for the real Jesus in this world? <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 53 says this about Jesus. There was nothing attractive about him. Nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on, passed over, a man who suffered and knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. It, I just wonder if that walked around, did the Good Morning America tour, right? What would we think about him? He, he wouldn't get on Good Morning America. He's not pretty enough, right? I mean, that's what the, I, <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to tell you this. Another stupid thing I did in my life. One of the first sermons I ever preached was to a youth group. And I got in big trouble. Because I, I was preaching about this. <laughs> and I said, you know, he, he says, he, the Bible says he wasn't an attractive person, like nothing physical. Phys and so I, I preached a sermon called Jesus Was But Ugly. <laughs> that might have gone too far, right? <laughs> that, might, that might have been a little too much. Um, but the truth is, Jesus was not a, 
people didn't follow him because he was attractive. As a matter of fact, it was the opposite. There was nothing in him physically that would draw us to him. And not only that, but people looked down on him. He was a hick from Nazareth. He was homeless. And, you know, I just think we have to ask ourselves. There was no room then for Jesus in the world. No room, especially religious people. Here's my guess. Jesus comes now. There's a whole lot more room in the lives of people who are far from him than there is room for this Jesus in the lives of people like you and me. I believe that it is dangerous to be confident that you know how God will move because you might miss him. The more well-formed your understanding of how God moves is, or what God looks like, or what Jesus is going to be in your life, the more well-formed your understanding of how he's supposed to look, the, mo- the better chance you have of missing it. Because we're, we get confident. We get confident that we know what Jesus is going to look like. And, and listen, forget the second coming. This is not a sermon about the second coming, please. Right? Because the truth is, I don't know when the second coming is. We should all be leave, leave, living like it's tomorrow. And also like it's not going to happen in our lifetime. So this is not a sermon about the second coming. The question is, is there room in you and me and our understanding of how God moves and how God works in our lives, is there room in our thinking for God to move differently, for God to ask something different out of us than we've always thought he would? Are you so confident that you know how God wants to work through you that you've stopped even asking the question. You know, if, if you've been a Christian a really long time, um, there's, there's probably a, a good chance that you, you think you know. I'm, this is me. I've been a Christian my whole life. I was, I was born a Christian. I think I was born in the waters of baptism. Um, I, I, I have, there's a real danger that I think I know. I think I know what God wants from me. I think I know how God works. I think I know, I hear this all the time, my God wouldn't fill in the blank. Right? Because, and, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That what we're saying is, I have this understanding. I have studied scripture. I've had scripture taught to me. I, I understand God, and I know what God would or would not do. And I understand that that's a, that makes us feel much more comfortable. But the truth is, over and over through scripture, scripture is one story after another about God working in ways that people weren't expecting. And every time we solidify what we think God is or how we think God is going to move, we, we add to our chances that we're going to miss what he's doing. And so, you know, the question is, is there room in your life for God to do something new?
That's the question for today. Is there room in your life for God to do something new? If, if he showed up and um, rocked your world with something new, are you open to it? Is there, is there room in your life for God to do something new with your time? You know, the truth is, there's, I love, come, every time I come to church in Janesville, which is not enough, um, I'm, if you don't know, I'm executive pastor, and so I spend my time at different campuses, and um, I just, I miss being here all the time, but uh, every time I come here, there's a bunch of people I don't know, and I'll be like, oh, is this your first time? They're like, no, I've been here a bunch of times, and that's awesome. I, I mean, I think that's so great. Uh, and it, it's, a, it's a testament to what God is doing here. I don't know if you guys realize that um, over the course of the past, I don't know, two or three months, this campus has doubled in attendance. That's awesome. Um, can I tell you one problem, though? Here's the problem. You see how big this room is? Like how full we are here? It's because we got kids works on, at, 10, at uh, 9 o'clock service. Um, we're not able to, to do kids works at 1030. And, and here's the reality. People who are far from God, if you have two service times, which service time do you think they want to go to? 1030. Almost every time. People who are far from God. And so, we are desperately praying that God will bring the right people at the right time so that we can open up Kids Works at 1030 because mostly, you guys know, you're all part of it. Mostly we got young families with kids coming here. If you go back there, it's a, it's a fun madhouse back there. It's a blast. Um, but here's the reality. It, I, I believe that God is calling this campus to open up Kids Works at 1030. And you know what that means? He's calling some of you to step up and do something new with your time and your energy. And I know some of you guys are already giving your time and your energy. Maybe you're uh, greeting people, that kind of a thing. God's calling some of you guys to change what you do. Just being as honest as I can be today. God's calling some of you guys to stop doing what you are doing and open up space at 1030 for people who are far from God, because we'll never take the next step as a campus until we do that. Some of you guys haven't stepped forward to actually do serving at all. And I know, you're, you're, maybe you're new to the church, and I, man, the thing I'm supposed to do if you're new is be like, hey, no pressure. But here's what I want to tell you. If God showed up in your life and put something in front of you, that says do something new, do something different. You thought you knew how I was going to work in your life, here's something new. I, maybe you're like, I don't do kids. Too bad. Right? Sometimes God calls you to new things. Can I tell you, for years and years, I said, I don't do kids stuff. I did. From the front, I don't do kids stuff. And then we started Kids Midweek. And I hated every minute of it. I was scared to death for about two months. And now, I freaking love it. And it's not because, oh, I just didn't understand that that's who I was. That's not what it was. You want to know why I love it? Because God gave me a heart for these kids. 
God called me to something new, and he gave me what I needed to do that something new. I just had to be open, and Kellen had to make me go to, <laughs> go to Wilson to understand that this is how God works. I thought I knew. I don't do kids. I was wrong. And if that's you, I'm telling you, it is worth it. If you're saying, man, I, I need to do, I, maybe, maybe even right this moment, you're like, you know what? That is something I should do. We're not starting it next week, don't worry. But uh, if you're willing, I, I, it's, and it's not just about loving kids. It's about their parents. Parents want to come. And if they're going to hear the saving grace of Jesus, we got to make space for them. Um, so that's, and that's just one way that you can serve with your time. There's lots of them. But the, that's the first question. Is there room in your time for Jesus to do something new? Number two, is there room in your budget? Uh-oh, run for the door quickly. Is there room in your money for Jesus? And I'm not just talking, you know, the, the truth is, again, we have this idea. We, we come to church, we give the money that we've always given, and we move on to the next thing. Some of you guys give, practice a tithe, which is uh, giving 10% of your regular pay to God. That is fantastic. Some of you guys come and you, uh, maybe you drop a 20 in the plate, or you drop a 5 in the plate, and man, we are grateful for all of your generosity. My question is, if God asked you for something different, if God said, I want you to do something new, if Jesus said, you know, the truth is, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and said, what must I do to be saved? And what did Jesus say? Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. What? I'm not suggesting that you sell everything you have. Uh, but, but the point is, the question is, what if Jesus called something out of you that was a sacrifice, a real sacrifice? Is there room in your budget? Is there room in the way you think about money for Jesus to call something big and scary and new out of you? And if we're honest, for a lot of us, the answer is no. Just a hard no, there's not. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's why we try to give you opportunities to, to do something new. I, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be taking up a big love offering next week. Um, now, I want to I be um, honest with you about a, a couple of things. Um, you know, like I said, I'm the executive pastor of our church. Our church, um, just like your family probably and most uh, businesses and organizations, COVID hit us really hard as a church. Um, we're, uh, we're trying to figure out, we have cut every bit of spending that is possible to cut. You know, we call it discretionary spending. It's like zero. Um, and, uh, and the truth is, this is we don't, we don't actually, I'll bet most people in this church, we've never actually said anything about like the place of our church finances from the front, but I, I think it's important for you guys to know. Um, right now, our giving is not supporting our 
minimum required spending. And so uh, we wanted to let you know about that before we had to make even more painful cuts um, that might impact families and, you know, all that gross stuff. Um, and so we're, uh, part, of, part of what we wanted to do is give you guys an opportunity to set us up for 2022. And so, um, uh, I forgot to say, I'm, I, I, I talked to the elders and we wanted to give you the number. As of right now, we have a, God has been really good to us in the past. We had a, a cash reserve. But as of right now, we're eating into our cash reserve at a rate of four to $5,000 a week. That's not sustainable. And so, I just want to put that out for you because it could be that in this moment you hear that and you hear God saying, you know what? I think it's time for you to do something new in your giving. Uh, maybe you haven't really started. Maybe you've been coming to our church for a little bit and you haven't really made that a part of your connection. And listen, this is not about paying your dues, right? Man, that's, that's not what we're talking about. But if, if God is speaking to you, and saying, you need to open up space, room in your budget for um, church. You, 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 we, we're taking up a love offering next week. Um, and so that's, you know, if you, can, if you can give a chunk of money, that's, and God is, I shouldn't say that. If God is asking you to give a chunk of money, do it. It'll help set us up for, for next year. Um, more importantly, if God is calling you to, to start giving on a regular basis, man, um, we, we'd love for you to, to do what it takes to, to make that happen. Recurring giving, however, however you want to do it. And I, listen, can I tell you how much I hated that last four minutes, five minutes of talk? Can I just be real? Hate it. At the same time, it's important, right? I don't want you guys to be in the dark about some things. Um, so, I wanted to ask if there's room in your time. I wanted to ask if there's room in your budget. Um, but most importantly, is there room in your thinking for Jesus to do something new? This is, man, it's so important. I, I've been a pastor a long time now. I'm very old. <laughs> My back feels very old. Um... I've been a pastor a long time, and I'll tell you, I think that the, the most dangerous thing in Christianity right now is a bunch of people who think they know. The most dangerous thing in Christianity right now are, is people who grew up being told a whole list of things and who are unwilling to learn anything new, to, unwilling to say, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my pastor when I was a kid was wrong. Maybe the thing that I always thought was like completely for sure isn't as for sure as I thought. Because no, nobody's going to learn. Nobody's going to grow. Nobody's going to be anything different unless we're willing to say, maybe I'm wrong. And so I wondered in your life, and I'm not talking about you thinking about the person next to you or the person at home or the person that you think is closed-minded or anybody. I'm talking about you, you and me. Is there room in our thinking to be wrong? Is there room in our thinking for Jesus to teach us something new to take us somewhere 
new. Is there room in your life for a Jesus that you don't expect? That's the real question. John chapter 1 said, the world didn't recognize Jesus when he came. He wasn't accepted. Only a few would welcome and receive him. But to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. All they had to do was trust him to save them. Very few make space in their heart for a Jesus that they don't expect. And I'll tell you, the people who have the hardest time with it are people like you and me, who maybe grew up in the church and think we know. So the, the band can come on up and we're going to sing one more song. And as we sing this song, I just want you to reflect. I want you to ask yourself, is there room in my thinking for Jesus to change my mind? Is there room in my understanding of God for it to change? Is it possible, Do I have? am I so proud that I am sure that I'm right about all the things that matter? And I would suggest, listen, I've been studying scripture my whole life. I've been a pastor a long time. And I'll tell you, the longer I follow Jesus, the more sure I am that I'm wrong about a lot of things. And I think anybody with a little bit of humility will be, and honesty would say the same thing. The longer I run after Jesus, the less I hold so tightly to these certain things that I believe. And the more I realize, I, I believe there is a truth out there. There's one truth. Truth is not subjective. But my understanding of the truth should be changing and morphing as God teaches me new things. I just, I, I know that there's a truth out there. I just don't have so much pride to pretend that I know what it all is. And, um, and I would suggest to you that the, the more loosely you hold to your understandings of how things work, the, the more you give Jesus a chance to step in and be unexpected and take you to new places. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.